Welcome to the Wander Learn Podcast. In this episode, I interview Nate Trushnovets. He is a Slovenian who I consider an expert on war and stuff that's going on in Eastern Europe in general. He loves to follow every little nook and cranny, and he and I had a little debate, and in the end, he was right and I was wrong. And I respect that a lot, and so I wanted him to talk about the war in Ukraine as of March 27th, 2022. This episode is extremely timely. We recorded today and sending it out today, which is not my normal thing. Anyway, go to check out patreon.com slash ftapon to become a patron, and make sure you see the show notes for some of the sources that he likes to go to to get information about the war in Ukraine. I respect his opinion. It'll be interesting to see if he plans, if he ends up being right or not. We'll find out soon. Welcome to the Wonder Learn Podcast. I'm your host, Franz Tapon. In this episode, I have Nate Trushnovets. Did I pronounce that right, Nate? Yeah, it's Trushnovets. Quite right. Damn, I'm good. I'm almost Slovenian. <laughs> Well, you spent some time here, so I suppose you learned enough <laughs> that's to right, be able that's to right. pronounce my quite rare surname right. That's true. Actually, it's not that rare, probably in Slovenia, right? It actually is. And uh, one interesting thing is that there's more people living in the U.S. with this surname than in Slovenia. Hmm, that's because the Slovenians are trying to colonize the United States. <laughs> actually, there were two brothers who moved to the U.S. Uh, the late uh, 19th century, and they had a lot of kids. Quite... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is ironic because Slovenia has one of the lowest fertility rates. I imagine it's probably less than yeah. two. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, very low. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we're here to talk about your favorite country, Russia. <laughs> and <laughs> and your second favorite country, Ukraine. And yeah. number 10 on the list is Slovenia. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, so uh, now I really respect you, Nates, because even though you're not, uh, you don't have a degree in history, right? What is your degree in for university? I have a degree in uh, geography. But okay. uh, yeah, since childhood, I've always been uh, very keen on history. And I've been reading lots of stuff uh, throughout my life, like daily. I just read stuff about history, about geopolitics, about um, many different fields, actually. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and you I'm also not, do uh, like, war games, too. You you, yeah. you study war to a really mm -hmm. tight degree. I mean, I, I, you watch YouTube videos, you read stuff. You're just like a war lunatic. In fact, you're a very violent person. I think you slapped me once across the face. <laughs> yeah, try not to cross my path. <laughs> yeah, well, you are painting quite a wrong picture about me, I suppose. <laughs> well, that's, that's why I'm doing this interview virtually and not in front of your face. Yeah. That way I can insult you from far away. <laughs> I know Slovenia doesn't have any nuclear weapons, so I'm safe. Okay, so... Um, so you, when I posted on March 10th, my opinion about Russia, you wrote something on my Facebook page and he says, Putin has, and you wrote, Putin already lost the war in Ukraine. Now, by the way, I think the, I can't remember the date that the war started, but it was in late February. So roughly February 22nd yeah. or something yep. like that. So yep. you're, you basically declared and not even a month had passed. And you mm -hmm. said, Putin had already lost the war in Ukraine. His plan was victory in two to three days. It will yep. be apparent soon. 
the media just has to catch up with the reality on the ground. Yep. And then um, I asked you, well, what do you predict? He says Putin will is, is going to be removed by his inner circle. The Russian army shown to be just a paper tiger minus the nuclear weapons. It was this year's. You know, it was marketed it, it, for years. It was marketed as a potent force, but this invasion really revealed huge issues it has. And you go on about the kleptocracy, kleptocracy, yeah, uh, that ruined the Russian army and things like that. So, tell us a little bit about share a little bit about what you think of here. We're recording this. Uh, it's just on the brink of March twenty seventh, my brother's birthday, mm-hmm. two thousand twenty two, and. Currently, what do you see the situation, the war going on and who's, you know, are they making any progress? Are you surprised that they haven't thrown in the towel yet, that the Russians haven't thrown in the towel yet? How much longer do you see this going or do you or have you reversed your position at all? So I haven't reversed my position at all. Um, Actually, all the signs are there that the Russian army is just digging uh, in and on a few places it's actually being pushed back. Um, so the Ukrainian army is currently just probing uh, the Russian defenses, um, and I guess I'm, I mean I'm not a, a military historian or not uh, from military um, profession at all, but uh, my guess is that um, there are, there have been all the things that can cause the mi- Russian military um, to collapse uh, are in place, and. Um, with each day, Ukraine is getting stronger while Russia is getting weaker. So, I mean, we, we know from history that Russians uh, in general are very like uh, strong and stubborn and are not easy to fold, but I suppose they cannot withstand uh, uh, the time pressure here because they are really on the back footing. Well, Russia really became super famous in its ability to defend itself. I mean, beating Napoleon right at the, you know, they're really good at defending themselves and finding the strength to fight off Napoleon, to fight off Hitler, um, to win in Stalingrad. I mean, these were amazing things and to and hold off St. Petersburg and, of course, Ma- Moscow during, uh, against the Nazis. And, of course, mm-hmm. they did. They know how to do do a, uh, run an offense because they were able to take over 15, you know, lots of territories during the Soviet time. Yep. But their de- their defense is their strength, and I think, in my opinion, but maybe I'm wrong, um, and maybe they're just not they're, they're out of practice. <laughs> it's been a while since they expanded their empire. <laughs> Actually, the the military analysis uh, who check the way their tactical moves are, the way they fight, uh, the operational moves are, uh, they're very similar to the 70s and 80s Soviet Union. Um, so basically, Russia hasn't upgraded that much in the way they fight their wars. Uh, it's just that uh, the things that uh, previously were not very visible became very clear now in the way how um, Russia do uh, its things uh, when it comes to um, huge military offensives, which uh, it cannot really control the way they would like to. So controlling huge offensives in a foreign ground, which is very fanatically um, opposing uh, every move you do uh, is very hard. So previously they were fighting, well, in the Soviet Union, for example, they were fighting in um, in, in uh, Afghanistan, but this is a totally different war than it's here. 
they were fighting in uh, uh, Georgia, uh, and they were fighting at a totally different border. They were fighting like Georgia. in Chechnya. Georgia, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. In English, you said it uh, the yeah, correct way. Sorry. No, you said no. it the correct way, but we just know it as Georgia. Yeah. Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when Russia, when Russia was in the Atlanta, Georgia, nineteen ninety two Olympics. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. Continue. So, that, so basically, I, the, it's uh, first time after the Second World War actually that they've done something like this, um, and it shows just how much their um, their planning and their uh, their stating goals were just not on par with anything. With not with uh, you know the reality is that. Their military is just not working from the bottom up. It's just a huge mess. Right, um, but there's, there's a lot of self-righteous no. Americans who are kind of observing this, and they're just saying, oh, yeah. you know, they, they, they suck. They didn't prepare the resistance. You know, they didn't think that Ukrainians, they totally misjudged how Ukrainians yeah. would actually feel once they thought they were going to be throwing roses but instead of grenades mm -hmm. or, or Molokov cocktails. But the United States is the same mistake in Iraq when when they kind of got rid of Saddam Hussein. They kind of thought, yeah. hey, um, so maybe this is just hubris that a lot of countries make this error that they think that they're loved more than they really are. Well, Russian definitely thought they are better than they actually are. Uh, well, their military at least. Um, Americans were very well prepared with, with their invasion in Iraq. Um, much better than Russians are now. So the the, the premise was uh, quite different from what Russians are doing now in Ukraine. Um, the whole idea of attacking Ukraine with just a little less than 200,000 soldiers was lunacy in the face of how stiffened uh, Ukraine has become since uh, 2014. If you would be talking 2014 and this attack would happen, we would probably have quite a different uh, result than we are having now. But eight years have passed since and Ukraine has shown quite a huge resolve against any such incursions. And um, I mean, the Russian military made so many mistakes. Of course, there was this idea that uh, Ukraine will just fold, it will collapse in two, three days, max stops. Uh, it didn't. And then they didn't have any plan B to start with. So they are just, you know, trying to um, send um, iron and and people towards these five or six uh, axis of advances, which they cannot defend at all because they are too spread out. And they're just not you know, adjusting yet. They The only adjustment they made is that they started to dig in on all the fronts at the moment and are being slowly pushed back because they cannot uh, support their supply lines well. They're um, losing a lot of um, military equipment just by, you know, um, um, uh, Ukraine, uh, Ukrainian uh, territorial defense, um, quite lesser uh, ranking militia, which is able to wreak havoc on their convoys. And an uh, army without uh, supply is as well is lost. Right. And the other thing is that if you looked at how the United States ran its Gulf Wars in 1991, as well as yeah. when it went into Iraq and hell, even Afghanistan to some extent, although I think it's slightly different there. The United States 
you can see their plan of attack is always the same. Air power, air power, air power. Yeah. They just bomb the crap out of you. They really neutralize yeah. and, and just they own the skies. That's their yeah, shock and awe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And just shock and awe. And those guys really, really uh, control the sky. And then after the you know the 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 yep. bombs that's kind of settled that's when the army comes and it comes in and i yep. was just fascinated to see that russia didn't do that strategy they didn't try to like own the skies and try to really you know completely dominate the skies because i guess ukraine has good enough air defenses to stop them and they probably just don't have a big enough air force and navy uh pilots to or, or army pilots to to do some they don't have enough air power basically to get that yeah, they do not have enough air power also their precision munition is very low it has right. been spent uh in the syrian war quite a lot of it mm-hmm. so they were running just small uh, stocks uh to get uh, from the get-go also their planes are not really equipped with precision uh, guiding systems a lot of their planes are just uh, made to be you know dump bombing everything uh, while in syria you know it kind of worked uh, in detriment with all the civilians uh, which uh, lost their lives there. Here, of course, um, they tried to do a shock and aid uh, the first day. It was not strong enough um, and their Air Force did a lot of stupid mistakes. Um, I don't know, like their chopper attack with special forces on Hostomel Airport near Kiev, which was totally repulsed first by Ukrainian artillery, artillery, which was not, uh, you know, destroyed, and then by ground for Ukrainian ground forces, and when they when this didn't work, they just you know repeat the same mistake again and again and again, and this repeating again uh, the same mistakes is just kind of the promise of this uh, unfortunate war, a tragic war. Russians just don't, you know, um, try to do different things. They just Show again and again more personnel, more more military, more tanks at a problem, trying to solve it that way. You know, with just mm. sheer mess, but it doesn't work in Ukraine. Right, because I mean, it could work with Estonia. It could work with a small country. Yeah. I guess what I'm saying. Sure. You know, but to try to do 44 million people or however many, uh, it's a lot harder. I mean, I really respect your opinion on this because I was completely wrong. I love to admit that I'm wrong. So this is one of those cases I get to admit that I'm wrong. And that I just thought, hey, you know, why is Ukraine even going to put up a fight? Why don't they just lay down their weapons and let them storm into the capital? And then everybody will feel sorry for them, just like we did with Kuwait. Because remember when Saddam Hussein just Kuwait basically didn't put up a fight. And of course, Mm -hmm. what did that do? That got the entire world riled up and everybody said, we're going to pass a United Nations resolution. You know, this is an unjust, you know, these guys are just it's like attacking Switzerland or something like that, you know, even Switzerland Mm -hmm. has arms. But anyway. So I just thought, hey, Ukraine, why don't you just not even put up a fight? Just let them take over the capital and do everything like that. Just surrender immediately, and then the world will come behind you. But because I thought it's going to be a hopeless fight. Boy, was I wrong. I mean, so far, at yep. least. But here's the one thing I, 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 I will say, uh, Nates, is that don't we think that maybe we're judging this war a little bit too fast? I mean, I remember Hitler did his blitzkrieg when he went all the way to France, and that was a lightning quick. But how many weeks was it that he finally got to Paris? It was like a month or two. How long did it take? Uh, a month, I think. It yeah, lasted so, a month. A good month. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And this. So all I'm saying is that you know here we just are recording this on the one month anniversary, and we're kind of already saying mm-hmm. that you. Well, you started within two weeks. 
you already said it's over. And I was like, aren't mm-hmm. you being a little bit premature here mm-hmm. of the declaring mm-hmm. like war can be a long thing. It can last for years. And, and maybe mm-hmm. Russia looked like they had lost in the World War Two. And then they finally hid behind the Ural Mountains. They built a huge production to finally get their war machine going in World War Two yep. and finally make a comeback. But they looked like they had lost and yet they came back. So are we declaring victory a little bit too soon here? Well, we could, but uh, all the signs from the ground are telling uh, we are not wrong. <laughs> so I would be really, really surprised if um, Russia would be somehow able to um, go around Kiev, uh, to besiege it properly, um, to take over the whole eastern part and also the western part. It does not have the manpower. Um, also, if uh, they would uh, start ramping up um, you know, military production. The thing is, Second World War was quite different militarily from what you have now. All the equipment that you need to produce is quite expensive in, and you need to put global efforts to get all the components that you need to build a capable machine, war machine. So Russia being cut now um, is already having a huge problem with tank production. Their main uh, facility in Russia already stopped producing their latest battle tanks. Uh, they cannot do it anymore because they are lacking basic stuff that uh, they need to put in those tanks to be able to, for them to make them. So uh, this uh, industrial part of the war is not going well for them. Um, again, if you produce just very simple mechanical machines from past times, you could do it, but not anymore because these optics, you know, special optics, special equipment is very, very time-consuming to produce, uh, very technically hard to, to make. And if you are cut from, you know, your resources from around the globe, you will have a huge problem making, creating your own facilities because these things need years to be made. You know, it's not just like, oh, a few weeks we'll make our own facility and then we will be able to uh, commence with our own production. No, it doesn't work that way anymore. Okay. Yeah. In our five minutes that we have left, I just want to get a sense of where you think this is going to go. Uh, here we are at March 27th. Where do you think this yeah. is going to go, Nate? So Russian army will have more and more uh, more and more uh, problems uh, in Ukraine. Uh, in one month's time, they're um, supplying uh, capacities uh, will be very very low it means i I predict that in one month's time a huge uh, collapse for russian army will happen it could even happen before um so the northern front around kiev will definitely fall uh, around chernikiv too uh, around sami too um kharkiv and the more eastern parts around uh, luhansk and donetsk uh, might be uh, harder thing to crack for ukraine army but when the north falls then uh, Ukrainian army is uh, able to then focus on the east and on the south, and then there's going to be a huge problem for Russian military. Um, then again, if Russian military would, instead of five uh, or, or six, even six uh, axis of advances, uh, make just two axis of advances and focus on the eastern part of Ukraine and have uh, less lesser goals than they had, which was basically occupation of the whole of Ukraine, then they would be able to pull this thing off with the military they have. But now they are too spread out, they are too thin, they cannot 
actually they have uh, I don't know, I think like thousand four hundred kilometers of front they have to defend with just not enough military. Um so they will be gradually greened uh, and turned back. And I would not be surprised if Ukraine then enters even Luhansk and Donetsk at one point and will be able to claim even um, uh, the southern parts of Ukraine. We'll see how this goes. It reminds Hopefully, me a little bit of, because, of Hitler's Barbarossa yeah. attack where he went to three different places in Russia all at once, yeah. in Soviet yeah. Union, should I say, and mm -hmm. s spread himself pretty thin. And maybe if he yeah. had just focused on one place, he might have succeeded in that. Um, what yeah. do you think is going to happen to Putin? Um, well, there's, you know, signs that Putin is already being uh, put on the getting grip list in Russia. Uh, Sorry, what does that mean? Of course, this is, you know, he's on the list of being removed, you know. and uh, Who's, who's got this else. list going? Mm, it's just, you know, people from uh, the in intelligence that they kind of... Um, spread a little bit of drips of data here and there and then i have my friends who are connected with them and you know it's these lines it's uh basically it's really funny it's one firm who created a very um well a simulation of a tactical level game which predicted war in korean will happen many years before it happened uh, they created a game which you can still play today um what's the name tactical level game uh, it's Combat Mission Black Sea. Uh, it's, it started to be created, I think, in 2011, if I'm not mistaken. And then in 2014, the, the first uh, war started in Ukraine. This is now the second war, or well, for Ukrainians, it's still the first war, but escalated now. Um, and so these guys also produce uh, military quality uh, simulations for UK military, for US military, and they are... They have connections quite high up, and uh, they are eager to share uh, some uh, of those uh, information around, you know, to the users. Mm -hmm. So it's really nice to be uh, so close to the information that matters. What are your top three news sources that you get your information for? Because that's one of the things I worry about is that sometimes we're just buying into, you know, a lot of war is all about propaganda. And yeah, so yeah, sometimes. Definitely. And so I'm just like, sometimes I'm like, I, should, I, I shouldn't be listening to some of these Western sources because they're all singing the same yeah. song. Mm. So the thing is with uh, all the wars, like you said, uh, also the Ukraine is uh, using this as a propaganda tool, but not on the level as the Russia does. Um, if you look at past records from the 2014 war in Luhansk and Donetsk, you would see that Ukraine in general um, put up information about how the war was going, but uh, quite more reliably uh, than Russia did, of course, because Russia, most of the things that they put out is just a lie, you know, just, you know, it was so funny when uh, Russians, uh, uh, Russian Ministry of Defense, I think, put out a number that 500 or something uh, Russian soldiers died while in reality it was more like 7,000, uh, you know, two weeks ago. Um, now they have pushed it up to 1,500 uh, Russians killed, which is quite a far cry from the probable 14,000 Russians killed and 20 to 30,000 uh, Russians uh, injured. So yeah, um, Russian side of things, uh, 
you cannot trust much while ukrainian side is quite more um quite more uh on par with the reality in the uh, two minutes the way, that we have left hold on yeah. in the two minutes of the last just give us some of the okay. news sources that you like okay so my number one news source that i use is uh the forum where people different uh, veterans from different american wars uh, analysts uh, uh you know ex uh, intelligence uh, officers are talking about these things are analyzing these things and uh, so it's like a conglomerate of all the news and so i'm i am saving a lot of time just by uh reading that stuff and uh they basically gather different uh different um like media reports and different uh, news from from the ground analyze it uh, say okay this was published by russians this is what's missing here this is what is uh, lagging here this was published by ukrainians this is good uh, this is not good so at the end uh, they basically analyze everything and just make a finalized product uh, or like a product which many people agree with you know M- many people who are professional in their fields and they, they, if they don't dispute it, then it's probably true, you know. Okay, so I'll go ahead and put that link to the show in the show notes. Yeah. I'll put that as okay. your number one source. Yeah, and yeah. I, I cool. appreciate that. Um, so you think the war is going to end in the next couple of months, or do you think this yeah. is going to drag on for um, a couple of years? It could drag on, but I would be surprised. I mean, if if it would, um, I would give Russian army max one month before the it's the collapse starts, and then we'll see how how far they are pushed in the north i suppose they will be just pushed away while on the far east with Luhansk, Donetsk, and in Krim, i suppose things could get uh could continue in a way they did until now you know so like a frozen conflict but you know it will be really really hard for russians to hold on to those places really hard because they have such huge casualties and inability to really fill the gaps to be able to defend these places anymore. As they say in your country, Havalalepa. Prosim. <laughs> <laughs> That's for everybody else. That <laughs> means thank you in Slovenian. Okay, well, thank you again, uh, Nate, and uh, I will maybe check back with you when this uh, war settles down. Well, thanks to you. You're welcome. Right. <laughs> okay, you. let's check again after some, some collapse of Russian army. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And that ends this episode of the Wander Learn podcast, where we explore travel, technology, and transformation. If you'd like to see the show notes with links to what we've talked about, go to wanderlearn.com and click on this episode. If you'd like to connect with me, just remember F Tapon. That's my first initial and my last name. F Tapon is always my social media username. My website is ftapon.com. Do you want to leave me an anonymous voicemail where you can make a comment or ask a question? Then go to speakpipe.com slash ftapon. Furthermore, if you'd like to get rewarded for supporting my projects, then go to patreon.com slash ftapon. That's where you can pick up some remarkable rewards for as little as $2 a month. Now, five quick favors. Number one, subscribe to the Wander Learn podcast. Two, download it. Three, share it. Four, review it. And five, sign up for my newsletter at wanderlearn.com. Our theme music was composed by Eric Stratman. This is Francis Tapon encouraging you to wander and learn. Thank you.